Good heavens, it's a podcast. Welcome to episode 46 with me, Kevin Mitchell. I also go by the name Bob Evans when I'm making podcasts and writing, recording and performing songs with me trusty acoustic guitar. Welcome back. If you've been here before, if this is your first time, hi. Thanks for checking in. Um, I've got a few things to plug, okay? There's lots going on in my world at the moment and I'm really excited about it. Um, So, my brand new album, it's called Tomorrowland and it comes out in April. I should know the exact date, but I don't have it in front of me right now. I think it's sometime in mid-April. But anyway, if you pre-order the album, you go into the running to win this really cool prize, an Audio-Technica record player, as well as a test pressing of the Tomorrowland vinyl. So you get a cool record player and a a super rare piece of vinyl. So if you're thinking about buying the record, you may as well pre-order it, right? Because you could walk away with a super sweet present, prize, I meant to say. Not a present, it's a prize. Could be a present if you wanted to give it to somebody else. so there's that. Um, also, too, I put out uh, uh, the second single from my record. Uh, it's called Concrete Heart. It uh, guest stars the uh, vocals of Stella Donnelly, and that we made a, a, a video clip for it, which you can view on YouTube. You can stream it, of course. You could buy. You can even buy it if you want. Uh, not in stores, though. <laughs> not in stores. Let's do uh, search the uh, World Wide Web if you want to do that. Um, but yes, Concrete Heart is the name of the song. Um, so I also have some shows. I'm playing a uh, I'm playing a gig on a paddle steamer in Echuca, on the Murray River. Um, it's part of the uh, Riverboats Music Festival, which isn't happening this year, obviously, because of fucking COVID. But um, they are putting on some shows on these old paddle steamers. Now, I've done one of these before, and it was really, really fun and cool and different. And we like those things. Um, so that's on April the 17th. Um, so, yes, you can go to my Facebook and uh, website and all that stuff for all the more details. But, yeah, Chuka Moama on April the 17th. I'm playing that show. I'm also doing a show called Small Fry Rock in Sydney. That's uh, on March the 20th. I think that's nearly sold out, but there might still be some tickets left. That's a ki- uh, show that you can take your kids to. So it's like, you know, it's in the middle of the day, family friendly. If you've got really little kids... You can bring them along. It's totally fine. It's totally cool. Um, what else do I have to uh, plug? Oh, I should pl- talk about where I am right now. I'm in Adelaide at the moment playing at the Adelaide Fringe Festival on a show called 27 Club. So it's myself and Sarah McLeod from Super Jesus and uh, Dusty Stevenson and the Wanderers and Carla Lippis. And we perform songs by the uh, artists that died at 27 so you know there's i just i do nirvana songs of course that's probably the main reason why i was asked to be on it but um i also do some doors songs i never thought i'd sing doors songs um some even a white amy winehouse song um and there's janis joplin's music in there as well jimi hendrix of course i oh, don't worry i don't go anywhere near the jimi hendrix stuff i i'd butcher that but um uh, dusty and the wanderers do it immaculately um Anyway, I can really recommend this show. It's playing till the end of the month. So if you're in Adelaide, you've still got time to come and check it out. It um, goes through the end of this week. And, um, yeah, it's a really fun show. It's really, really cool. If you like those artists and you like that music, you're going to enjoy it. It's done really well. Um, what else? Uh, don't forget to rate and review if you would be so kind. Um, 
Also check out the Good Evans It's a Bobcast soundtrack on Spotify. It's got the full versions of every single song that we've ever that my guests have brought in on on this show. Um, so you know it's a it's a good resource because you know you might only hear a, a little bit of the song and think you want to hear more, or maybe you just missed the name, didn't catch the name of the song or something like that. Anyway, it's all there for you. Um, what else? I think that's pretty much it. Did I mention I've got a brand new record coming out in April called Tomorrowland? It's a really good record. I'm really, really happy with it. It's, it's exactly it's it's exactly how I hoped it would be. So, you know, that's the most you can really ask for, I think, as, as an artist. Anyway, I'm waffling. Stop waffling, Kevin. Okay, uh, let's talk about episode 46. My guest on this one is David James Young. I first came across David James Young by, through his podcast that he makes with three other gentlemen called hottest 100s and thousands where they well he explains it all on this but anyway it's based around the hottest 100 um and it's a really fun podcast and i i really love it it's one of my favorites um he also makes another podcast called all my friends are in bar bands now special information here at the end of this podcast we went straight into doing another podcast on his show all my friends are in bar bands and talk for another hour. So if you get to the end of the end of this and you just want more, there's another hour over on David's podcast for you to listen to. Um, and it, David's also a, a singer and guitarist. He plays in a band called uh, Nothing Rhymes with David. Um, and he's also a he also writes for music publications as well. I've seen lots of his articles floating around on the internets. Um, but anyway, at the crux of it is he's a massive music nerd, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. He, I, I'm honestly struggling to think of a single person I know who has a deeper passion for music than David. It shines through when he speaks, um, and that's you know, what I really like about him and why I wanted to chat on this podcast um, with him, because... Um, because, yeah, you just couldn't think of a better person to talk music with. Um, he has such a deep love and passion for music and, he, and also a really extensive knowledge too. You know, he, he knows way more about music than I do. Um, so, so, yeah, it's a really fun chat. If you haven't heard of David James Young before, I hope that um, you enjoy this podcast and you enjoy being introduced to him um, and maybe are interested in uh, checking out uh, the things that he makes and does. Uh, I really enjoyed this chat with David um, and I really enjoyed being on his podcast after it as well. Um, so I hope you do too. All right, I'm going to go now. I'm going to I've got to get ready to uh, sing some more Nirvana songs, which is God, it's kind of, you know, got to say, it's the first time I've done it since I was like 17 and it's really, really fun. All right, uh, let's do it. This is episode 46 of Good Evans. It's a Bobcast.
All right, welcome to the Bobcast, David James Young. Thank you very much for having me, Kev. This is this is a thrill. I gotta say, I'm pretty stoked. Oh well, I'm glad. I'm glad you feel that way. Um, so straight up, I'm going to ask you about how your uh, well, how your 2021 mm. is going, and 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 how how your 2020 was for you. And, and you know, apologies to listeners who are getting sick of hearing about the coronavirus. You may um, may sort of want to escape it, but um, but you know. Fuck it, it's my podcast. I, exactly. I like talking about it because <laughs> because Fuck off, um, it's free, right? Well, that's right, exactly. And <laughs> you know, we're living through a you know a, a once in a century pandemic, which yeah. um, you know, which has affected the music industry as as much as any. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think it's important to you know check in on check in on people and how they how they've been faring. So, how have you been faring, man? I mean, kind of complicated question, but like, I guess I've been relatively lucky in the sense of being in New South Wales for, you know, this whole time I live in Wollongong and yeah, so ultimately like the, the, the big dry spell was mid-March, obviously when everything went to shit and then all through to, I think, yeah, I didn't go to a show from the 16th of March to the 18th of June. And then the 19th of June, I went to my first show back. And then, yeah, like I was just kind of making up the numbers from there. I tried to get out to as many shows that I could because, you know, like these venues have had in Sydney and Wollongong, Newcastle, everywhere is in New South Wales have had to jump through so, so, so many hoops just to try and make shows happen. So I wanted to, you know, be present and supportive of everything that they were doing um, yeah, so a bunch of great venues in Sydney. Uh, so the Vanguard and the Lansdowne were the first to properly reopen. And then uh, there was the old 505 in Newtown. Uh, there was the Oxford Art Factory in the city. Um, yeah, the Factory Theatre over in Marrickville. Like, there's been a bunch of places that have, yeah, eventually uh, been in a position to reopen their doors. And, uh, yeah, I, I made a point of, of getting out to support all of that as much as I could. Uh, in total, I went to 153 shows last year, which is down from, <laughs> well, you know, it's it obviously down from 2019, that was 233 shows, uh, but, you know, <laughs> oh, like, the, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked with that number, all things considered, you know, 55, yeah, that's of, amazing. Those, 55 of those were, uh, pre, so from New Year's Day to March 15. Um, there were 55 of them, and then the rest came June 19 to, I think, my last show was Boxing Day, I think? And then there was that whole um, Northern Beaches thing, so then the whole New Year's Eve thing didn't get to happen. But, uh, yeah, when when I first showed back this year, I think 10th of January, and been pretty regular back at shows since then, so, you know, like... uh, That's pretty pretty impressive, Um Getting back into it by June, I, I was much longer dry spell for me. My, uh, I went f- between the last weekend of February through mm. to sometime in November. Yeah, um, right, right, right. Without seeing or playing, that's just playing shows. Um, yeah, sure. So, what did that first? Sh- what was that? What was that first show that you went to in June? W- what did that look like? 
So that was at uh, that was upstairs at an Irish pub in Newtown called Kelly's. Kelly's on King, uh, and I was seeing a band called Shogun and the Sheets. Uh, do you remember Royal Headache at all? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Tim Shogun, the lead singer of Royal Headache, after they split up, he started this new band called Shogun and the Sheets. And it really uh, was about, I guess, kind of doubling down on, I guess, more of the vintage soul influences of Royal Headache and really leaning into that Sam Cooke, Otis Redding kind of howl kind of soul vocal. And yeah, like... If you're going to have a first show back, it should be watching Shogun perform because the guy is just, he's a man possessed, you know, like he barely stops moving when he's up on stage. He's just like pacing back and forth. He's a very intense and very like uh, dramatic kind of performer, you know, like he really just kind of lunges into it. And, you know, you could tell it'd been a dry spell for him as well, but he was just so like excited to be performing again. And like... Mm. Yeah, it was the little things that I didn't think I would miss that just kind of hit me. I remember going in, like, yeah, it was obviously all distance and seated and whatever, so, like, right. you know, like big gap between the, the stage and where everyone was seated. And so, was so, sorry, like- so, um, sitting, how was, uh, what, what was it like sitting down in a uh, venue that I'm imagining is normally, you know, everybody up the front jumping yeah, up and down, that yeah. sort of stuff? <laughs> I mean, that whole experience took a while getting getting used to, yeah. for sure. Yeah, like the Vanguard, you know, that was always, you know, kind of a, you know, a dinner and show kind of theater kind of place. But, you know, seeing places like the Lansdowne set up, you know, with tables and chairs and all that sort of stuff, it was just like, oh, this is, this is, this is not normal or whatever, you know, it was just it was very <laughs> surreal. But, um, yeah, uh, ultimately... You kind of just come to peace with it. It's just like, okay, it's either we experience shows like this or we don't get to experience shows at all. And I remember the whole not experiencing shows at all for those three months that I was at home, uh, which I know is, you know, pretty insignificant compared to, you know, what other people have gone through. But, you know, for someone like me who, you know, kind of is like live music kind of centers around my universe to kind of have that rug pulled from under me was, you know, pretty fucked up experience. So like, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, in some way, shape or form, I've been able to continue to experience it and yeah, uh, just kind of settle into, you know, this, this kind of period, you know, just, just always in the back of my head, you know, it's just like, it's not going to be like this forever. It's just like, this is how it has to be right now in order for shows to happen, in order for crew to get employed, in order for soundies to get employed, in order for bands to get to do what they love, bands and artists to get to, you know, get up there and perform their music. So yeah, ultimately um, I'm, I'm pretty grateful for that. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, it feels like, um, you know, 2020 was the, sort of the year of no work, yeah, and 2021 is shaping up to be the year of um, of uh, volatility and chaos because yeah. every uh, I'll, I'll 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 give you a bit of a, a, a tell you the story. I haven't had a chance to tell the story on this podcast yet because uh, this is the first one I've done since I've been here in Adelaide. But um, just to give you an example, right? So not not last Friday, but the Friday before. Mm. So. Uh, yeah, February the, I don't know, when was that, 12th or something. Um, so I'm at home, I live in Ocean Grove, which is on the coast, about an hour and a half out of Melbourne. Right. And I've got this Fringe Festival show in Adelaide 
that I'm doing. Um, it's called the 27 Club. It's like a tribute show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's artists that died at 27. Um, and so I was due to, f- well, I was due to fly to Adelaide on the Tuesday night. But on Friday, uh, Daniel Andrews announced that, um, uh, or the, well, yeah, the, the restrictions were gonna. There was gonna be another five-day lockdown. Oh yeah, yeah. For all right. of for yeah. all of Victoria, and um, all the borders were uh, gonna be shut off uh, at midnight. Right. So um, I was mowing the lawn at my house at about uh, one or two o'clock in the afternoon when um, when my manager called me and was like, "All right, the borders are going up." We've got we've got to get you over the border before midnight. So um, so I, so I had to just like quickly go, It fucking really felt like it. <laughs> so like I so I run into my house, pack my suitcase, uh, pack all my gear together. Um, I rang my wife who works at the primary school where my kids go, mm. and told her what was happening. Um, and so we had to pull the kids out of school, uh, uh, you know, an hour early so I could say goodbye to them because this, you know, I was going to see them again until March 1st, um, which is the longest stretch I've gone since having kids um, away. Yeah, right. Um, and then, yeah, jump in the car and start fucking driving to the border. Jeez. Had a big, you know, emotional <laughs> family farewell. So and you're off driving I went. to Adelaide? Yeah, yeah. So oh, I had to, yeah, because right. couldn't fly, there were no flights. Um, so that was the only way I was, could get over now. And, and I was desperate to, to do these shows, right? Because, you know, any bit of work is, you know, so much, uh, so valuable <laughs> during these yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I got over the border at about 9.30 PM and then I drove to, then I was kind of like, okay, I could breathe easy. It's like, oh, I'm over the border. Yeah. Totally felt like I was in a, a, a fugitive, some kind of fugitive yeah, yeah. <laughs> movie. Um, You're safe now. And then, <laughs> and then I went and spent three days in the Barossa Valley, <laughs> where the, <laughs> the people, the promoters of this show, you know, had this house in the Barossa that they they could um, let me stay in. So I spent three days just doing nothing but drinking wine. <laughs> um, yes, you do. Hanging out, which, you know, look, I'm not going to lie. That was quite relaxing and quite enjoyable. I figured at that point in time, it's like, well, look. You're probably going to do you know, that in lockdown anyway, right? Well, you, well, you have too much of it. But you, you've got to make the um, you've got to make the best of these situations, right? You know, yeah, totally. I was in it. And, you know, I'm not going to sit around, spend three days sitting around the Barossa Valley, you know, like complaining. I'm going to uh, enjoy it. So I did. I did that. And then... Then on the Tuesday, yeah, drove down to Adelaide, got into rehearsals for this show, and now we're sort of about five or six shows, or six shows into it now. So yeah, I'm just been staying in this little uh, Airbnb apartment, student accommodation style apartment, um, God, all that time going a little take bit you back stir some, crazy. Huh? But <laughs> it's uh, well, you know what? It's funny. I never actually lived in a, uh, I never lived in an apartment. Um, really? So. It's yeah, it is a little bit new for me, but um, but yeah. So I mean, it's just yeah, and also too after this, the next gig that I've got when I get back, the weekend after I get back is a Jebediah show. It's a festival show 
in Melbourne at the My Music Bowl. They've been oh, doing this, true. Yeah, this yeah. summer sounds, yeah, with Spider Bait. And, um, and so just to continue with this sort of, you know, narrative of volatility and chaos. So yeah. where we're at with that at the moment is that oh, the, at first the, we were told the gig wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. Or they were going to try and move it to a later date. Right. Then the next, the most recent thing I've heard is that um, it's still happening on March the 5th, but with t- two of the guys, in, uh, girl and guy in Jebediah living in WA and the other uh, two of us in Victoria, mm. we have to try and figure out a way to... To get them in. Get, yeah, because at the moment... I think they would be required to do two weeks quarantine on re-entry back into WA. Right. Because, they, because Melbourne is, I guess Melbourne Metro is, is still considered a, a hot zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's just like every single gig, it seems, just throws up all of these challenges that... That's insane, n- yeah. ...never existed before. And it, and it changes week to week. Totally. And it changes city to city, state to state, because everybody's got a different set of rules and circumstances going on. So it's yeah. just, it's just a lot. Hectic, <laughs> yeah. So that's is that Ness and Brett? Ness and Chris are in Perth. Right. Yeah. 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 And Brett, my brother, um, he lives in Melbourne. Right. In, yeah. Yeah. In yeah, the yeah. city. So he's had, you know, out of the out of a, us. I mean, I mean, the guys in Perth have had it pretty good. You yeah. know, they've barely experienced. I mean, Ness has been playing with End of Fashion, right? She has been playing with End of Fashion, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they've had it pretty good. Um, Brett being in Melbourne is definitely, you know, I really, I, I live in Victoria, obviously, so I had, went through, you know, 20 weeks or something of homeschooling and lockdown and stuff. But um, yeah. But I do really feel for Melburnians and what mm. they've gone through. And, and, you know, I've talked to this about this with a few people, but I don't hear it being talked about much. Which surprises me, but I I honestly sense that you know there's been a like Melburnians have been pretty damaged by the last twelve months. Like um, the, yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely going to be some uh, some psychological scarring. That's, oh uh, yeah, big time like PTSD and all that shit for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know, and, and and I don't um yeah I, I don't think that it's uh, you know an exaggeration to kind of talk about it in those terms um yeah it's, it was really dark i mean people i know you know have have gone through some you know pretty pretty low moments over the oh, last 12 absolutely. months just yeah dealing with that so yeah it's been a it's just been been a, a bastard of a, a of a 12 months but yeah look yeah. i guess on the positive side of things at least the you know the 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 machine of the music industry is kind of slowly, clunkily trying to kind of yeah uh, get going again. But Picking touring, itself up, dusting itself off because apparently no yeah. one else is going to do it for us. No, uh, that's right. Yeah. Hey, uh, money, please. Oh, do you do you, what do you what do you do with that? Oh no, we we play instruments. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I, I thought that was a tennis racket. I was going to give you a lot of money if that was a tennis racket. <laughs> yep, and as the you know. I think because uh, I've been getting JobKeeper, since, right? Uh, that started up, but that's pretty much all, all finishing up now as well. So that'll be the next thing, I guess. Is like you know, my idiot brain people. just went to JebKeeper, <laughs> as in JebKeeper. Jeb yeah. I like it. Maybe maybe Jeb's. We could just start our own, you know, little in-house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> JebKeeper. 
<laughs> yes, it's okay. The government have finished JobKeeper, but uh, our industries have uh, started our own program, JobKeeper. So you can keep your job in Jebediah. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's for four people. Be... <laughs> Unfortunately, it's only $50 a week. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's so, our Spotify um, residuals from leaving home. That's all we've got. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Well, $50 would be an impressive amount, I reckon. Oh, no, that's per, that's like... per year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, you do a uh, a podcast uh, called Hottest One Hundreds and Thousands as well this as is true. Um, all my friends are in bar bands, which we'll talk about as well later. Yes, but that's how I first came across you. Um, yeah. So for for people you know who haven't heard of this podcast, um, yeah, can you talk us through like how it how it all came about? Sure. Uh, so this podcast started in twenty fourteen. Uh, I'd had the idea of. Uh, Doing a podcast with uh, two of the people uh, in in the group before, so Adam and Andrew, uh, we tried out a podcast about 12, 18 months before, but um, yeah, it just never really got off the ground. Like we were just we were trying to make it work, and like we, I feel like yeah, our first format wasn't like particularly interesting. It was just kind of a record club kind of thing where we all like listened right. to the same record and talked about it or whatever, uh, yep. and then it was just like something's kind of missing here and you know i was thinking about it a bit and uh andrew's friend uh, nathan i i met in the interim and i was just like oh there's kind of a cool chemistry here like we all kind of uh like tangentially knew one another through one thing or another like um nathan yeah. and andrew went to school together uh adam grew up in the same uh area as me on the south coast of new south wales um when Adam went to uni in Wollongong. He was taking classes with Nathan and so on and so forth. So, like, yeah, it's this whole, like, little private universe just kind of came to be. Uh, and around this time as well, I was listening to a podcast called 90% Hits, which was uh, four friends uh, reviewing every song that went to number one in Australia between 1990 and 1999. And okay. I, yeah, I, I really, like, even though I didn't know any of these people, I was just kind of drawn to the premise and the concept, and mm. I've ended up being friends with a couple of the guys from that podcast, um, Casey Atkins and uh, Dr. Tim Byron, who is, uh, yeah, just an incredibly lovely guy, um, and... I'm, I'm gonna be straight up, like, I pretty much lifted that format, I was just like, yeah. I love this idea... I'm going to take it and I'm going to turn it to focusing on the Triple J Hottest 100 because yep. well there wasn't a podcast about the Hottest 100. There's, I, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure there still isn't apart from us, you know. And and it's and it's genius because, you know, I would say more so than no, songs that have gone to number 1 in Australia in that time, yeah. the Hottest 100 has become such a cultural yeah, Force, right. It's such a mainstream, it's a, it's a time cultural moment. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, the, that that's been a like a, a pretty unreal experience. Like getting to kind of go through and simultaneously reflect on these songs that we know and love by heart, as well as songs that we have never heard before. Because you know, like the first one's ninety three. Like I turned 
three in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, no, I surprisingly wasn't across the alternative music scene in 1993 yeah. as much as I would uh, I would like to be. Um, it's amazing, but, yeah. but that that was part of what I really enjoyed about the show when I discovered it was because of your guys' ages. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed hearing my teenage years, my teenage musical years, des- um, described coming from a different perspective, coming from yeah, right. you know from from these kids who who um, were sort of you know didn't. Well, you know, I mean, you grew up with that music, but you were much younger, and yeah, yeah. It just it just offered a really different perspective on stuff, which I I'd never heard the nineties music sort of talked about like that before, you know? Yeah, sure, dude. We flipped when we found out that you were listening. It was just it was such a <laughs> surreal thing. It's just such like, we, we, yeah, like. None of us expected anyone that we actually talked about on the podcast to actually uh, hear the podcast. Oh, no, well, I well, I, I think I told you, but um, but yeah, like it, it was it was funny that you know I I discovered the podcast um in about 2016, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and sort of you know, and then went back and and was you know got, came to really enjoy it, but there was also too that sort of. <laughs> sinking feeling in my stomach it's like oh shit they're You're gonna coming to, up yeah <laughs> they're gonna get to 1997 or 1998 and then yep and there um, you are and then uh, you know and i was just like oh man what am i gonna do about that am i just gonna <laughs> skip those episodes and then yeah we ended up you know chatting and and talking before that even happened i think so um yeah that's right yeah i don't think i told i i think i told i just said you look you know whatever you do just don't pull any punches. If you think it's crap, just say that it's crap. I don't want you knowing that I listen to the show to change the what you know what you do. <laughs> I mean, if anything, you've kind of become a recurring character on the show. <laughs> You're Kevin Bloody Mitchell. My, it was not my intention at all uh, for that to happen. <laughs> That's, very, That's become the thing. I'll, I'll just I'll just roast you and then wait until yeah. I'll just be like, oh, bloody, we're talking about Kevin Bloody Mitchell again. This this pompous, <laughs> whiny, nasal arsehole. And then it's just like, is he gone? Is he gone? Okay, great. We can talk about this. <laughs> just wait for you to switch right, off yeah. in protest. <laughs> but yeah, the, when I first started listening to it too, you know, I told you this as well, but um, uh, I couldn't tell how many, I thought there were five of you. Right. Um, <laughs> Real cast of characters. <laughs> Yeah, it took me a while to realize, just to kind of get it in my head, like, and also too because um, you and Andrew have very distinct voices, but it took me a little while to differentiate between Nathan and Adam. Nathan and Adam. It took me a little bit, a little while to kind of differentiate their voices. Okay, and then, I can but then, yeah, that. after after a while though. You know, which is one of the things about podcasts, I guess, that sucks you in is like, um, yeah, yeah. You you start to you. It's like characters in a in a you know on a TV show or something. You do start to really kind of you understand the different personalities and and how they all relate to each other and yeah um, and yeah. It's sort of it it becomes like yeah. It just becomes a very 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 comfortable. 
<laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> well, it, it. It's Stockholm syndrome, basically, what you're describing. But uh, you know, it's it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but it's a, I mean, this podcasting thing. It is a, it's a bloody funny thing that we do. Yeah. As I was setting up today, I was going, just what, if, like, what, what is it that you know? You've been doing it for years now, and you, you know, you do hottest one hundreds and thousands, and also yeah. all my friends are in bar bands. Yes. What is it that keeps you doing it? I'm not that good at anything else, man. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I like talking to people. Um, I have Audacity on my computer. I have a microphone in front of me. Let's fucking do this, you know? Podcasting <laughs> knocks down the, the ivory tower, basically. Anyone can do this shit. You know, it's the same as fucking punk rock. It's the same as, you know, putting on your own shows. It's, it's just, a, it's DIY culture, but just in a different medium, you know? Like, mm. there's something very exciting about making the kind of content that you want to see, you know? Mm. We, we were just like, there isn't a podcast about the Hottest 100s, uh, about the Hottest 100. Let's do a podcast about it, you know? Like, be the change and shit, you know? I, yeah. I think I think that's that's kind of liberating and kind of exciting, you know? The, the whole format allows you to really explore and be like... Well, what can I bring that isn't being brought by anyone else? You know, everyone has their own unique perspective. Everyone has their own uh, different points of discussion. Everyone has their own little niche that they can kind of carve into and and pick people's brains about and have discussions and all that sort of shit. Um, that's what I've always been drawn to about podcasts. And that's why, you know, that's they're such a big part of my life. What, um, so what... Y- Year we're up to in Hottest One Hundreds. I think you're up to about two thousand and one. Is that correct? Right? Yeah, we we yeah, literally two- we've literally just started recording uh, episodes for season nine, and so they'll be hopefully going up pretty soon. Uh, we're just banking them, and then yeah, kind of uh, yeah, rolling them out. Um, yeah, probably probably March. I reckon we'll we'll get the ball rolling there. But uh, yeah, it's it's kind of surreal trying to like wrap our head around like fuck we've been doing this for nine seasons you know it's it's yeah like even the transition from 1999 to 2000 was a trip because i had to stop myself saying 1990 something yeah, yeah. because that's yeah, yeah. what i'd done for so so many seasons you know yeah totally. um, yeah so it yeah and it's definitely going to get more interesting as like we get you know more and more recent and like i know more and more of the songs like this countdown I'd say the amount of songs that, like, I straight up have never heard before, I could probably count on one hand. Like, yeah, yeah, because there's more and more songs that, you know, were instrumental in my childhood or just, like, records that I Mm. kept coming back to and all that sort of shit. So, like, yeah, that's definitely going to be a a bigger part of of things going ahead, for sure. Well, there's a a pivotal moment coming up uh, then because uh, there's one more Jebediah song to get through and then I get a bit of a break. From yeah. uh, not not having to worry about what you're going to say about one of my songs. So yeah, fall t- fall down fall happens, down. and then um, and then, then com- it's a bit well, of a comic got in, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, but that was you know ten yeah. years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a couple Did- of Bob songs yeah, much just- later in the 2000s, but there's a there's a break. I get a break between 2002 and 2006. <laughs> four, my four years it, in the wilderness. <laughs> so, um, tell me about um, you know growing up. How did you? How did you sort of? Did did you grow up in a musical family? Is I guess is a question that I often ask. Mm. And um, 
And yeah, when and how did that deep passion for music come about? Uh, it wasn't a musical household. Uh, my dad and my mum aren't musicians. Um, they both love music, but they just never played it. I got different elements of stuff that I love from each of them. So my mum loved like a lot of uh, like 70s soft rock and Americana and that sort of stuff, the Eagles, Jackson Brown, uh, like Fleetwood Mac, all that sort of shit. So like I, yeah... I, I've come to like have a very soft spot for for that music. Uh, like Jackson Brown, especially, is like one of my songwriting heroes. Uh, Dad, you know, loved a lot of like rock and blues. So like Stranger's Jelly's favorite band. Like you know, obviously that's that's kind of that's a calling card of a dad, really. You know, you have to, you have to, <laughs> yeah. you have to as soon as you reproduce, it's just like fuck. I really love the Stones. It's just it. Just, it's, it's, it's what happens, man. It's what happens. Um, I wonder what the um, I wonder what the equivalent. To my generation would be maybe Powderfinger. Or- yeah, I'd say- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I can remember being over at my uncle's house as a kid and seeing a copy of Odyssey Number no. Five, and I'm just like, "Oh, Powderfinger are on cool now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they switched over from being like alternative rock icons to being like your uncle's favorite band, like that's totally. when, yeah, yeah that's yeah. when the dynamic changed. Um, so yeah. yeah, my dad got me into like Sabbath and Cream and Stones and Yardbirds and all that sort of shit. Um. And yeah, like I've shared different, uh, you know, parts of my love of music with uh, different members of my family, you know, because we all like different stuff. And then it all just kind of centers in on me where I just, instead of, I guess, you know, like there's a thing in high school, just like going through like phases. So, you know, for us, it was like Mm -hmm. going through the emo phase, going through the goth phase, going through, you know, you're like going through a grunge phase or a punk phase or anything like that. Yeah. Instead of going through a phase, I just added music on to the stuff that I already yeah. liked. You know, it was just yeah. like, oh, you know, I love uh, this artist, this artist, this artist, and this artist. And they might all sound different, but, you know, that's cool by me. And then, you know, going through high school, you know, like the garage rock revival ha- happens. Strokes, Vines, Hives, White Stripes. Yeah. Oh, great. I love all of that stuff. Cool. Up On your hop. Uh, then, you know, a couple of years later, you know, like... Emo blows up, the use, my chemical romance, taking back Sunday, all that sort of stuff. I love this shit. All right, on your hop. You know, a little while after that, I break from my Triple J bubble and I realize that I love like pop music as well, like Beyonce and Britney and all that mm. sort of shit. And I'm just like, all right, sick, on your hop. You know, uh, I I just kept adding more and more music. Like, it, I, I feel like I didn't really ever kind of like abandon something just be like oh i I, yeah i used to listen to that when i was a kid or something like that because like yeah it just it it all just continued to mean something to me just in in a different context so yeah it was just a matter of building and building and expanding and expanding and yeah and then focusing that inward onto what was happening you know around the area like you know growing up in Nara there really wasn't anything so you know we had to start our own bands and kind of put out on our own shows at the youth center and all that sort of stuff when I started going to uh, uni in Wollongong like I was just like oh there's shows happening over here at the Oxford Tavern and over here at the Harp and all that sort of stuff like I should start going to these shows and start seeing more of these bands and that sort of shit Um, and 
yeah, when I, you know, started going up to Sydney more, I started seeing a lot of the same bands and, you know, picking up on, like, local DIY scenes uh, through Blackwire Records or wherever else, you know. Like like I said, it's, it's just been this constant state of uh, expanding and... Uh, finding different uh, corners of music to discover and appreciate because it's just this constant stream. You, I, When people tell me, it's just like, oh, n- no one I like is doing anything right now. I'm just like, well, fuck, you need to like more people. Do you know how much music <laughs> is happening out there right now? Like, it's, it's unbelievable. Well, I, think if you hit, you, I think you hit on something that um, I've, have noticed and find really, really interesting. And that is that when I was a teenager mm. in the 90s, mu- there, was, there was a real tribalism a- a- about music, right? Yeah. So you, you would, your musical tastes were, were, were very much defined by the, the scene that you were into and, and that was at the, the exclusion of all other things, right? Yeah, yeah. That was just the, that was kind of the, the, the mentality that, that seemed to be that seemed to prevail and and just everybody kind of rode along with i mean even and that even expanded out even things like you know if you were in a band you know you weren't allowed to like sport right um yeah. but but yeah if you were into you know into grunge or whatever that's all you listen to and yeah, everything yeah, else yeah. was shit everything else is shit you know, um, yeah, but that's nothing new. Like I, the disco sucks mentality. Yeah, yeah. What what I've noticed happen is with you know the next sort of generation coming through is because and and this is my my theory on it anyway because they've grown up with the internet and you know and and later on streaming and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've I've really noticed that um, people from you know. The early thirties down um, haven't grown up or developed that same sense of tribalism. So yeah. I think because they're exposed to so much stuff, um, it's a, seems to be a lot more widely acceptable for people. Just you know, for you to say, "Yeah, I love My Chemical Romance," and I fucking love Britney Spears. Yeah, and it's absolutely. totally and that's yeah. and it's totally fine. No one cares, which I think is a really great thing. I think um, that sort of um, that sort of attitude towards music for for a lot of us who are older only kind of comes about once you get out of your teenage years and, into, yeah. and you and you, know, and, and you you reject that tribalism because you realize it's kind of stupid like you just oh absolutely you should yeah. just like whatever you want but i i think kids are getting to experience that now you know because i noticed it too started to happen with triple j like when it started to emerge that um, they were playing more and more pop music and, and the idea of pop music, it wasn't like this dirty word anymore, you know. Yeah. You, um, it was recognised that um, within that genre, you know, there were people doing really innovative, interesting and intelligent stuff. Yeah. And it had and it carried just as much value as, you know, what fucking Sonic Youth were doing. Or, sure. <laughs> you know? I mean, this, is, this, this literally came up uh, in Hottest 100s and Thousands, we talked about uh, the era of Triple J when they were playing Kylie Minogue. 
which at the time was, you know, seen as this very controversial kind of thing. It's just like, oh, you're playing, you're playing fucking locomotion. I should be so lucky, better than devil, you know, Kylie. It's just like, no, 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 no. You got to hear what she's doing now because this yeah, is yeah. her. She's ditched Stockake and Waterman. She's hanging out with Nick Cave and Michael Hutchins and all this shit. She's making this darker, weirder sort of music, like this indie Kylie phase. You know, like they're yeah. playing Confide in Me. They're playing Did It Again. They're playing Breathe. They're playing like uh, some kind of bliss, cowboy style. Like, yeah, like stuff off the self titled and the Impossible Princess record, which is my favorite Kylie record. And it's like, yeah. She honestly, like, she said in an interview that, like, getting accepted by Triple J, getting played on Triple J, and then getting voted into the Hottest 100, she counts as some of, like, the most rewarding years of her career because, like, she finally felt accepted by people who she thought opinions mattered, you know? Yeah, yeah. And for our generation, yeah. For our generation, that's been voting in songs by Rihanna. That's been voting in songs by Beyonce. That's been voting in songs by uh, Miley Cyrus and Bruno Mars. Like, even though those latter two were, like, under the banner of Mark Ronson featuring, like, it was still kind of a Trojan Mm. horse. It's just like, oh, yeah, well, Mark Ronson's (laughs) cool. He's cool. Like, if you're with him, he's, like, you're cool. And so Miley Cyrus just kind of became cool. And it's just like, all right, sick. Miley Cyrus is getting played on Triple J. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, speaking of Kylie Minogue, I, I, I never really, I never really connected with anything that Kylie Minogue had ever put out, um, growing up. Uh, and Fair enough. Right up until, You're a grunge until kid. Very, till very recently. Um, yeah. Look, I, I just, I, yeah. For some reason, yeah, nothing really kind of, um, kind of hit me emotionally. You know, like yeah beyond just being, oh, you know, it's a catchy pop song, but I was just wasn't getting anything more out of, out of it than that. Until yeah, sure. mm. she put out a song a few years ago. And, and now that I have two young daughters, I do get exposed to a lot more sort of top 40 kind of mainstream pop music than I yeah. ever did yeah. before. Um, but just recently she put out a song. It's not off. I know she's put out a new record. It's a record before that. And it was that song that was like, uh, when I go out, I want to go out dancing. Yeah, dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's on the yeah, Golden yeah. Record. Yeah, 2018, I think that came out. Yeah. And so I'm listening to that and the lyrics, and I was like, holy shit. This, I'm, I really fucking like this song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, because, and it's because, like, you know, I, and I did my, this is my interpretation. By all means. I think this is what she's. Sounds to me like she's singing about not when I go when I go out to the club. It's like when I leave this, leave this life. You know, right? I want when I go when I die. I want to fucking go out having a good time. Yeah. Um. And I just yeah, that really kind of spoke to me. I just thought that's you know a really beautiful kind of uh, you know metaphor or way to kind of say something that speaks to something a bit deeper but yeah put it within the context of a of a pop song i thought it was really really cool and it simultaneously works on both those levels you know you can have that philosophical kind of interpretation of it but you can literally also just be like this is a song about dancing you know like going out to the club yeah yeah. this is a club song you know like yeah 
Yeah, that that's that's the one of the interesting things about pop music is that it can work on all these different levels. Um, you know, Ben Lee years ago described pop music as philosophy you can dance to, and I've oh, yeah. al- I've always found that kind of fascinating. Where like you can look at even the most banal of songs and find like oh, there's there's maybe something like deeper there than perhaps you would have anticipated. That's why mm. I f- I've always found pop music kind of fascinating in that regard. So what's your so what's your what what's your favorite pop artist or pop record if you had to uh name one that would uh that would be might be unexpected. What's your I was going to say sometimes you know what these things used to be referred to as guilty pleasures, but I hate oh, that. Oh right, yeah. I hate that term. <laughs> and then, you know what that kind of speak. You know what that kind of speaks to what I was saying before. Like yeah. We people people like my generation and and all of those before came up with this idea of a guilty pleasure because yeah yeah yeah. You know it was like oh you know don't tell anyone but I really yeah. like this. Because you know of the fucking tribalism thing, but that, dude, yeah. Uh, but it, I have I have one guilty pleasure, and it's Motley Crue, and it's guilty because I know that they're pieces of shit. But yeah. I, fucking, <laughs> I fucking love those. Right. I love Shout of the Devil and all that sort you of shit. You know what? This is this is what the new you're onto it. This is what the new guilty pleasure in the modern yeah. age is going to be. It's going to be that like I fucking. I really like Michael Jackson, but it's right, yeah. all the artists who are problematic now. Yeah, you know, Ryan that's going to become the guilty pleasure. <laughs> that's the new guilty pleasure now. Oh man! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, what can you do? And you just never know, and you, yeah, and it's you never know when somebody that you really like is going to uh, turn out to be it's an fucking disappoint and, you. Yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Okay, it's, so. It's, 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 so are you are you asking like what my all time favorite pop record is or what my current favorite pop record is like all time all time all, Give me all time? time if you can man um I know, it's, it's, it's yeah a hard, it's a shitty question well honestly <laughs> like, there's a few that come to mind like uh thriller uh, unfortunately you know would have to be up there but uh, yeah. uh also impossible princess as I mentioned like I I was obsessed with that record as a kid I found it absolutely fascinating um the like Amy Winehouse back to black I think is you know such a like a heartbreaking and right. subversive record that kind of cracked through to the mainstream um LaRue's mm. uh debut album the self-titled record from 2000 2009 like that record still Love, just yeah. fucking speaks to me man like that is just so cool. such an incredible record um yeah recently like i've been really shaken by uh artists like dua lipa like the future nostalgia record i think is absolutely stunning um yeah there's just a a, a constant stream of of pop music that has had an impact on my life like uh even even like the the troubled years of britney like i feel like that was a time when she was putting out like back to back 07 08 blackout and circus those are her two best start to finish records like obviously all the big hits are on like in the zone britney and like baby one more time and all that sort of shit like and those records have their moments for sure but like in terms of like start to finish records i always go back to blackout and i go back to the circus record because i just i find them absolutely fascinating she was working with some really great people like timberland and danger and greg kirsten uh guy sigglesworth Mm. like a like a really interesting array of of people and even though it was this you know like very intense time in her life where she was being like hounded by the paparazzi and all that sort of stuff like it just it just made 
like this whole insular world of pop music that much more safe for her to just kind of mm. express and be herself and like you really get that across those those two like shaved head umbrella hitting years uh of mm. her life um yeah like those two records uh completely detached from reality but that's kind of the point you know yeah i love you mentioned greg kirsted too there was a period of time there where I just loved every fucking record that he touched. Like, man, yeah. In the sort of mid, I, I think I first l- heard of him in, in the mid 2000s. Of course, um, yeah. Bird and the his Bay. His work with Bird and the Bay, yeah. yeah Somebody yeah, yeah. passed on a Bird and the Bay record and I just totally fell for it. And then from, for about the next, you know, five, six, seven years, every record that he had anything to do with. I was onto and yeah, man. pretty much always just loved He's a everything. Brilliant he did. dude, very talented. Did you see the yeah. uh, the Hanukkah sessions that he did with Dave Grohl? No. Um. So like him and him and Dave Grohl are like neighbors. Like I, I'm like they live on the they live in the same area or whatever. And yeah, like, right. Yeah. Um. And Greg has worked on the last two Foo Fighters records. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he did Concrete and Gold, which came out in 2017, I think. And then the most recent record, which was uh, Medicine at Midnight, which came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah. But um, for Hanukkah last year, um, they got together and they did 12 covers across the 12 days of Hanukkah. So, yeah, it was literally just them set up in the living room where, like, uh, Greg would play piano or, like, keys or something like that, and Dave would sing and play drums, and just, like, very loose, very, uh, like, raw kind of straightforward covers, but, you know, they were just having heaps of fun with it. They did, like, Rainy Day Women by Bob Dylan, Uh, they did... Sabotage by Beasties. They did Fuck the Pain Away and got Peaches to do the vocals with them, which was hilarious. Um, awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, I'll have to it's, check it it, out. yeah. Well, I, what I found so interesting about it was because, you know, both of them are, you know, like big, important industry figures and like everything that they do has to be, you know, this refined, like, definitive important fucking rock thing you know uh yeah. so fucking rock man um <laughs> so like just to see these guys just kind of goofing around in their in their living room like just stripping away all the bullshit and just kind of having a bit of fun for once in a while like i'm just like this is the most i've enjoyed watching dave Grohl in years yeah <laughs> you know like yeah. it just like removing all the inhibitions and all that sort of stuff and just like yeah, just having fun and just kicking around and playing covers and shit. I'm just like, I'll take that, you know. I'll take fucking Dave in his track. He's playing drums and singing in his living room over, <laughs> you know, fucking Dave Grohl and fucking, you know, his black jeans fucking running from one side of the stadium to the other for the 55th time. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, David. Um, let's uh, move on to your song selections um, yes. as we move towards the end of this podcast. Um, as usual, I uh, ask my guests to bring in three songs that um, are, are based around any theme that they choose. I, I used to, I started this with the premise of it being like you're revealing your three most played songs on. Um, iTunes, but that uh, right. has since become kind of irrelevant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't even know where so, I'd find iTunes right now, my guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah. What's uh, what? Well, first of all, what what sort of theme did you decide to kind of loosely base these selections on? 
Uh, I have gone with uh, three songs that are kind of inspiring me the most creatively right now. Uh, so uh, my band, Nothing Rhymes with David, uh, we put out an album uh, in December, which had kind of been a long time coming. Uh, and, you know, now that that's out and we've kind of done the launch show, we played in Wollongong a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, you know, like... Every, like everything with that is like done and we can kind of move on from it uh, like one of my goals this year is to write a new record because it took me like years to kind of follow up uh, this record with my band and like I didn't want it to be another X amount of years before that happened again and so yeah. like I'm in that phase again where like I'm uh, writing down notes in my phone or I'm just like singing little melodies into my phone or like Hearing so hearing music and being like, oh, that's cool. I I would love to see how I'd be able to explore that side yeah, of yeah. things creatively. So like, I picked uh, three songs that, yeah, have kind of flicked that switch for me and just been like, this cool. is fucking interesting. What is this? Cool. All right. What's the first one? So the first song I've picked is uh, Boomer by Barty Strange. Uh, Barty Strange is a African-American singer-songwriter. Um, he put out his debut album uh, last year. And what I'm really drawn to about Batiste is, I guess, he operates in this very genre-defiant kind of way. Hey, bro, hey, bro, hey, bro, look, I'm the man. And that was way before I did the diggies in the act. record but there's also elements of like post dubstep and electronica and hip-hop and all this sort of stuff that you know kind of melds into the record you know like this mm. uh this track in particular you know like he's kind of rapping through the verses over this you know kind of post-punky indie rock kind of beat 
and then changes into this uh, like clean sung bridge, then goes into this very kind of uh, like soulful bluesy kind of chorus, and like mm. the whole thing, you know. Even though they are from such disparate influences, the way he's able to tie it all together is really unique and really, really interesting. Like, he's, yeah, like, one of the more, like, idiosyncratic artists that I've come across recently. Uh, And I feel like uh, Track Like Boomer is really uh, exemplary of that. Like, uh, yeah, I think it's absolutely fantastic. and yeah, like Barty Strange has been a- an artist that I've just been absolutely thrashing lately. So yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. I-, I don't know how that will kind of influence how I'm writing, but I guess if it if it if I get anything out of that, it's not second guessing myself heaps and being like, oh, you can't do X with Y. Like that's that's mm. that's that's weird. It's just like. Yeah, no, it's weird. Let's do it. You know, that's fucking yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. So that that's that's definitely uh something that uh has been a a big part of yeah, like getting back into writing again, like kind of get letting go of those inhibitions and that kind of yeah. intrinsic fear that people have as songwriters for it's, sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting, yeah, sometimes yeah, you need something to um so often as a as a as an artist i suppose generally um so much of it is just wrestling with yourself you know yeah like you and you know you often do you need you know other artists to inspire you to stop stop wrestling with yourself and just fucking and just do it you know yeah Um, for sure how how did you come across barty strange i've never never heard of it before um um so yeah how, how did you discover him uh, he ended up in a lot of people's kind of end of year lists. Uh, so like on Pitchfork and Stereogum and like a couple of, uh, YouTubers that I follow, uh, like were really backing him and like, I'd seen the name thrown around like once or twice, but I'd never really kind of investigated beyond that. And I guess, you know, in that kind of period, like after Boxing Day, but before New Year's, like there's that little dead period where it's just like, well, there's literally nothing to do now. Like we've kind of, (laughs) we've wrapped everything up. And so like I was going through all these lists and like I was making a point of of clicking in and and checking out some of these records that I hadn't heard before and Live Forever by Barty Strange was one of them. And it was a super like fucking kick myself moment. I was like, you mean I could have been listening to this record all fucking year <laughs> and I'm sitting here in December like a fucking moron just being like oh alright well I'm here now that's something <laughs> awesome alright what's next uh, the next song I've picked is a song called Scratch Card Lanyard by a band called Dry Cleaning uh, they're from the UK uh, they're a post-punk band uh, this is the lead single from their forthcoming debut album uh, which is arriving in April. Many years have passed, but you're still charming. Rose falling and exploding, you can't save the world on your own. You keep it 
Arms can't open the door, can't feel cancel It'll be okay, I just need to be weird and hide for a bit And eat an old sandwich from my bag I've come here to make a ceramic shoe And I've come to smash what you made I've come to learn how to mingle I've come to learn how to dance I've come to join a knitting circle It's a Tokyo bouncy ball, it's an Oslo bouncy ball, it's a Rio de Janeiro bouncy ball. Filter, I love these mighty oaks, don't you? Do everything and feel nothing, wristband, theme park, scratch card, lanyard. Do everything and feel nothing. Do everything and feel nothing. by John Parrish who worked with PJ Harvey a lot in the 90s um, yeah like worked on To Bring You My Love and all that sort of shit um, yeah great yeah, yeah 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 um, Dry Cleaning are a really unique band in the sense that they have a lead singer who doesn't sing so uh, well not in the traditional sense anyway so uh, mm. Florence their lead singer uh, takes bits and pieces of uh, little notes that they've written down, uh, like little clippings from articles and things like that, and they kind of just sprawl it all out and create this bizarre bit of spoken word poetry that goes over the top of the song. And, you know, despite the fact that, you know, like, you you look at these lyrics and, like, in any other context, that would make absolutely no sense you know, for whatever reason, like, when it's being presented to you in this way, it's absolutely fascinating. Like, the 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 instrumental side is, like, indebted to a lot of, like, 80s post-punk in particular. So, bands like mm. Wire, um, Gang of Four, yeah. Magazine, like, that sort of sound. Uh, that kind of mm. motoric kind of driving sound with the... Um, it's just the one guitar, so, like, uh, so like one guitar, bass, drum. So, like, there's no, like, rhythm, like, chords to, like, back it up. So, like, uh, the, the lead licks, like, really kind of have their own space and their own sound, you know? And... Mm. Everything that they're doing really complements uh, the way that uh, Florence's like kind of deadpan delivery uh, yeah. kind of unfolds. And yeah, I've been obsessed with this band like pretty much since I discovered them early 2020, and I've been waiting for them to announce this record for a long time. And yeah, I'm super super excited to hear the whole thing. Yeah, well, look, you know, I've definitely noticed a a, a theme emerging here too which is um you know around uh around the vocals you know not necessarily uh, singers not necessarily singing yeah you know? um and uh, there's a bit about this that also um i picked up a little bit of a, a sonic youth kind of vibe you know Definitely, with kim gordon yeah, yeah sure, the way that yeah she... like yeah when kim would do lead on like bull in the heather or cool thing or that sort of stuff yeah yeah i definitely know some links there um but i guess they would have been influenced by um a lot of those bands those uh post-punk bands that you mentioned 100 yeah yeah as yeah. well yeah that's yeah. very cool um all right let's move on to your last third song selection yes uh, my final song that i picked is whip cracker by genesis owusu uh 
Genesis uh, Kofi is his real name. Uh, he is a Ghanaian Australian uh, uh, rapper and singer, songwriter, producer. Um, yeah, like his family are Ghanaian uh, and they immigrated here. And he has like been born and raised in Canberra. Uh, and yeah, uh, his brother is also a rapper under the name Citizen K. Spit up on your grave, hope my thoughts behave, we so depraved. Spit up on your grave, hope my thoughts behave, we so depraved. Uh, hope your soul is safe, we gon' hold your faith. Hope your soul is safe, we gon' hold your faith. Look into the eyes of your master, tell me if he still got the answer. If he put my ass to the pastor, better go cast before a disaster. Why you asking why I'm so jaded? Who forgot your thoughts on the races? Mammy got the crumbs from your faces, fed all your babies, still cut the races. You a woman beater, but you still want respect. Fuck a bet, sit your ass in prison, sucker, you get checked. I digress, goofy motherfuckers slipping, you get slept. Hope you wept, you ain't getting safe, I'm on my Malcolm X. Ah! Mama said, Mama saw you a fucking star. Keep your hands to yourself when you at the bar. Mama said, Mama saw you gon' hold these scars. I don't care about your cars, you be fucking smart. Spit up on your grave, hope my thoughts behave, we so depraved. Spit up on your grave, hope my thoughts behave, we so depraved. Mama said, Mama saw you a fucking star. Keep your hands to yourself when you at the bar. I've been rockin', rockin' with my crew We don't fuck with neo-Nazi spew Say what's up to you, you, you and you You rollin' with the fuckin' cameras Spit up on your grave, hope my thoughts behave, we so depraved Spit up on your grave, hope my thoughts behave, we so depraved uh, Hope your soul is safe, we gon' hold your faith Hope your soul is safe, we gon' hold your faith Whip your hands, whip your ass, whip your meds, whip um, and yeah, like over the last few years, Genesis has really uh, like cemented a place as like one of the big ones to watch in terms of Australian music. He puts on a super exciting live show. Uh, like he has a bunch of uh, backing uh, vocalists, uh, the Goon Squad, who are all like in matching uh, red suits and balaclavas, and it, there's this such a ferocious energy when they're all up on stage kind of dancing together um and also an artist that you know has made a point of not staying in one lane which i'm also super Mm. kind of inspired by you know like he has uh songs uh like good times which are you know like very uh, like bubbly and bright and booming that sort of stuff but he also has songs like void which are you know almost death gripsy just like very hard and aggressive like based around chanting and really hard beats and that sort of stuff Mm. uh this song, Whipcracker, was a standalone single that he put out uh, in 2020. And this was one of the few songs last year that like genuinely just stopped me in my tracks when the, f- the first time I experienced it. Uh, for one, like the, the music video, it's, a one, it's a, basically a one take, uh, black and white shot. This came out like not long after the, the BLM movement was really kind of picking up again. Uh, and it's him basically just standing there and spitting this like visceral diatribe about you know racism and you know like clickiness within the industry and just you know like 
we don't fuck with neo-Nazi spew is like one of the lines that just hooked me. We'll spit up uh-huh. on your grave. I hope your soul is saved. We are so depraved. Like the way that he was just barking these lyrics at you, like, and yeah, it has this steady build and then it kicks into this like almost like block party-esque like big like post-punk dancey moment which just mm. threw me for a loop you know like uh, he had some incredible people like uh playing on this like uh, that's kieran callanan playing guitar uh that's oh, touch yeah. yeah that's um touch sensitive uh playing bass as well so like you know it's it's yeah it's got such a huge energy to it and yeah i I got to see this, yeah, performed uh, at one of these, you know, COVID shows. So he did a residency at uh, Mary's Underground, which used to be the basement in Sydney. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, um, in Reby Place and Circular Key. And that was the... Yeah, it used to be... It was like a jazz kind of... Yeah, of yeah, yeah. And they've kind of... Yeah, they've changed it up and reverted it uh, into, yeah, more of an adaptable kind of venue, which I really, right. really like. Um, and this show was the best show that i saw last year hands down like including everything that i saw pre um pre everything um yeah just watching him and this full band just absolutely just tear the place apart and just having such a uh ferocity and an energy to that performance like yeah i i yeah i've definitely been inspired to kind of bring that own that not not so much yeah, in that direct sense, but like I guess in my own way to interpret that energy and kind of bring that to what I do as a musician and as a performer. And again, having the kind of fearlessness to just kind of speak your mind mm. and just put everything out there on the line, you know. His debut album yeah. comes out next week. It's called Smiling with No Teeth. And I, yeah, I'm, and that's another one of my like hotly anticipated records of this year. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's exciting to see, you know, to witness this, a wave of um, Australian artists with African backgrounds that are starting yeah. to, you know, like TK Meitzer was, you know, the first one that comes to mind and more recently yeah. Sampa the Great. Like, um, it's, it's really fucking exciting because, you know, it's just interesting to hear Australians speaking about their lives, but from a different perspective yeah know, absolutely and it's and all of those artists you know i mean there's probably many more that i haven't heard about yet but yeah they're all um coming at what they're doing with with such intense <laughs> such intensity mm. you know and 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 really you know pushing boundaries and pushing things forward i think it's i think it's super exciting absolutely yeah i i I, I think the world of, of Genesis. I've I've told him multiple times, but yeah, like Kofi's Kofi's gonna be one of the guys that is kind of leading this new generation of performers, absolutely. He's a superstar. Yeah. Absolute superstar. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to um make sure I see him perform when I can. Um all right, David. Now what we're going to do next, and I'll I'll mention this in, in the uh, intro, um but uh we're gonna finish our, our uh conversation on the Bobcast and we're gonna yes. Continue it over at All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. That's right. Which is your yeah. podcast. The, the tables will so, turn, my friend. <laughs> awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for uh, doing this for me, David. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah.